Beyond the Wrench with Jay Ganinen from Wrenchway. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. My name is Jay Ganinen and I am your host. Happy to have you join us yet again. In this week's episode, I was really excited to have Nick Adams, who's the Managing Director for Dieselmatic Digital, uh, join the podcast and talk about a variety of different types of marketing things that I think are really impactful and really helpful for anybody to listen to. But specifically, his niche are diesel shops and and really has a lot of background, a lot of knowledge about everything that goes into it, how to make sure that you're spending your money in the right spots and and maybe not spending money blindly. But overall, just a really good podcast where we talk on a lot of different types of marketing and, and different ways that uh, you can get out in front of the people you want to. And coincidentally, this week's podcast episode is brought to us by Full Bay. And there was just announced that Full Bay had recently acquired Dieselmatic Digital in, in a really good partnership and some, some really brilliant people kind of combining their forces for the better. But if you haven't heard of Full Bay, it's an industry-leading software solution for heavy-duty repair shops. This cloud-based app is loaded with features that will let you leave the shop for a long overdue vacation. Great partners of ours here at Wrenchway and, and just run a heck of a business and, and great people. So as for this week's episode, again, you're really going to enjoy it. Nick is a, a great guy and has a lot of great insights, and I hope you enjoy it. Have a great week. On this week's episode, I am excited to be joined by Nick Adams. Nick is the manage, Managing Director at Dieselmatic Digital. How are you doing today? Great, Jay. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I've uh, gotten to know Nick a little bit here, and he's got a really cool company, and, and I think a lot of knowledge that will be good for everybody listening to the podcast. So why don't we start there and tell us a little yeah. bit about the company? Yeah, Jay. Well, I mean, before I go into that, I want to say too that I've got a lot of respect for your company and what you've done. One of the things that I always look for at other companies is the people that they have and how they kind of interact out in the world. And you guys are fantastic. It seems like every time I see a Wrenchway staff member, they're happy and <laughs> energetic and excited. And that's like, you know, it's a, it's a tough thing to do within a company as you grow to keep that kind of alive. So that's like the highest compliment. I, I love that, uh, that our people come off as happy. Hopefully they are happy, mm -hmm. but, but yeah, they, they, we've, we've got some rock stars and it just, you know, trying to keep everybody happy is sometimes challenging, but they do a phenomenal job at uh, kind of maintaining their own happiness. So I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, going into uh dieselmatic to give the, the brief overview of who we are and what we do. So we are a digital marketing and web design agency specifically for commercial truck repair shops. So we work with truck repair shops all throughout Canada and the US. We design and develop their websites, work with them on an ongoing basis to create marketing plans, continually optimize those plans and grow their shop together. Yeah. And it, you do some fantastic work. I was able to, to check some of it out Thank and you. just always looks really polished and, 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 and really, really nice. So uh, let's, let's talk about your story. Uh, what led you yeah. into the, the diesel business and, and really focusing on diesel repair shops? Oh man, it's a good one. I know probably 
you know, a certain, probably a lower percentage of listeners are specifically within the diesel repair space, maybe more in the automotive space. But I think, I think the thing that really, that really pushed me was seeing the first shop that we worked with. So the first diesel repair shop that we worked with started out around $500,000 a year in revenue. The owner lived in a, I think like an 800 square foot house, like super small. And after about a year and a half, two years, we had gotten the shop's revenue to just under 2 million. And yeah, and he moved into a, like a 3,500 square foot, three acre property. And just seeing that, like, you know, that, that life change for him, like something that we did had a real, not just a business effect, but it cascaded into his life and made his life better. He had more time with his kids and his family. He was going on fishing trips all the time. It was just really a really clear, really clearly, a really clear industry in need of, of the kind of support that, you know, I personally was very good at. And you know, I've been fortunate enough over these last two years that Dizomatic has been operating to have grown a team that, you know, is helping helping fulfill that vision and helping shops. Yeah. I, I mean, when you talk about impact, and, and that's something I've talked a lot about in the podcast itself, but it, it is so cool to hear stories like that of people that, you know, are working so hard to do their thing and might be struggling in some capacity and then offering a service such as you do to kind of help turn their life around. I mean, it, it is it is insane, the impact that's behind that. Totally. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you guys have. Have you had have you had many stories like that? Um, yeah, in, in I, your past. It's it's crazy because. In, in our in our business, it's more like trying to get them help so that they can go on a vacation or they can go, you know, and not have to worry about everything and the human resources behind being able to give you the flexibility to do something like that is really what what it's all about. And, you know, I think one of the, the major issues we see with independence in general is that they're so consumed in the day to day operations they are so consumed in trying to to pay all the bills so that they can open the doors the next day that they don't have the ability to take a step back and work on their business and something like a web presence or something like getting <clears throat> excuse me getting your staffing or your tooling in order in a shop is so vital to giving them freedom and I don't think a lot of shops that are in that predicament that are living in that 800 square foot house are thinking that yeah. way right like they're yeah. they're they're so busy trying to just keep up that it 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 paralyzes them from being able to do the really really impactful stuff and that's really kind of taking that step back and tr- truly being a CEO rather than being stuck under a truck somewhere and trying to get the next piece out so that, you know, your customer's not yelling at you, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of difference between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Getting, I guess, not, not necessarily behind the wrench, but (laughs) away from the wrench. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's a hard concept for a lot of people to, to get their head around, Mm -hmm. but you know, that, that model of working on your business, not in your business is so important to, to gaining flexibility for you in the future. Having that, having the the kind of core principles of uh, the nice thing about doing a podcast like this is that, you know, 
you and I are both business owners. Most of the people listening to this right now are business owners. And it's really easy as time goes by to forget the reasons why you started a business, right? And and like you said, when you're drowning in paperwork and you know trying to hire hire tax to to keep up with work or or trying to market your shop so that you know you have work for those tax and balancing all these things it's easy to forget that you know you wanted to be you know in charge of your time right that's a big one that's a big reason why people start start a business and you know as time goes on with a successful business, your business can start being in charge of your time instead of you. And taking those, taking those risks, right? Those things where you're saying, you know, investing in people, you know, it's, it's a scary thing to do and it's a difficult thing to do, but taking those steps of trying to trust people and build them and, and give them a good, a good job that they get to do work that they, you know, love to do that's challenging that they can grow they have you know opportunities to you know fun environment the shop plays good music yeah (laughs) those are go ahead they are they are and that's one of the big cautionary tales i tell a technician when they come to me and say hey you know what i'm looking at opening my own shop like i'm looking at doing my own Mm thing is more of not trying to scare them away, but letting them know the realities of when you get into a shop. It's not like you're just working on equipment or trucks or cars anymore. You're actually, you know, you're, you're taking a step back and letting others kind of complete that work. Your job is to build the business and it's a completely different mindset. You know, I think there's things that you can take from that and make it, you know, if you're, if, if you're effective on that side, I guess my biggest piece of advice is don't assume that translates easily to the ownership role. I can't believe, I can't remember the, uh, the principle, but it's, it's a business principle where people essentially get promoted one point, one position past their capacity, right? And they fail. They fail when they get there because they can't fill the role anymore. And it feels like a demotion to go back down. Um, but stuck. you know, they're stuck right there in a role that they can't really succeed in. And I mean, the, the tough thing is that with, I mean, and we'll, I guess a caveat here is that we'll, we'll get into some marketing stuff. <laughs> we too, sure will. And, yeah. You know, try to, try to provide some value for, for people listening about, you know, how to grow, but the philosophical stuff is fun too, but I lost my train. <laughs> well, so, so like just talking one, one thing I would ask you is, yeah, and this is more of like a business owner's question is, when did you start to understand that you needed to add people to your team? I guess where, where I was going to, I'll finish off where I was going to go. It's just that entrepreneurship is a risk that, you know, you, you really can't know until you do take that risk. I think just mitigating the risk and not, you know, starting out with a, you know, 10,000 square foot facility, <laughs> you know, that that's probably the way to go. But my strategy with, with developing a business was that, I wanted to learn and understand every aspect of the business and how it functioned and be able to perform those tasks to some degree of competency myself. (laughs) Right. And then as, you know, as I grew, hire people where I was the worst, right. Where I was the weakest, you know, at those roles and, you know, for, 
the, the hard thing I think with uh, growing a shop is that most of the time a shop owner will you know, obviously be strongest at the, at the technical side of the work and not necessarily at the business development or business management, paperwork, invoicing, accounting, <laughs> all of that. And, you know, I think it's a sh- like what 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 would you recommend as the like somebody who that guy who comes to you if he's like Jay who is my first hire what should I like who should I hire who would you who would you recommend so in a shop it's so hard because the production and what you do in the shop is what you get paid on right and so I think the natural instinct is to go that direction I know for me looking back at our company and how we started off and really why I took on a business partner in the first place was we needed better operations in general right like we needed more structure in terms of process and a lot of the things that I was weak at still weak at I still suck at process and it, yeah, it, yeah. but I know it's really important right and I think yeah. that's that to me is so important to be able to understand your weaknesses. And and if you're being honest with yourself, a lot of times your weaknesses are the things that you just frankly don't like to do. Like it, you just, it's a struggle for you to even do them. Well, and that's a big part of it too, that like, I think for me realizing that the things that I don't like to do that were, you know, obviously weaknesses, uh, other people do like to do them and they're really good at them right? Like talking about the operations and systems management side of things. We have a fantastic operations manager who, you know, takes all of the knowledge that, that I have out and puts it into a process that other people can, you know, fulfill those services on. It's fantastic. (laughs) It is, it is. And so when you're looking at that from a shop's perspective, it's such a great and unique question to ask. And, and I think it all depends on the shop, right? And it all depends on the aptitude of, of the owner or the manager of like what, you know, if that first hire needs to produce cash right away, it's probably really hard to hire an operations person right away. But maybe you can contract some of that stuff out. There's an accounting firm close by to your shop that can handle that for you. QuickBooks Online has made that much, much easier. But, you know, being able to maybe outsource some of the stuff to start off with rather than trying to hire on full-time employees while you hire somebody that is producing, I think could be a, a, you know, kind of a move the needle type of move in general. Totally. I mean, those, you know, the first year, you know, the wrong $50 a month commitment can, can sink you, right? Those are, those are big things that you have to pay attention to until, you know, you eventually get to a point where you're having, you know, your payrolls, you know, five, five to six figure payroll. And it's, you know, there are much different uh, considerations to have, but yeah. um, I'm, I'm really curious about the the shops that I know I'm not supposed to be. You know, you're good. You're good. I love this. It's, <laughs> it's such a natural conversation. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I'm really curious about the shops that uh, are within the commercial repair space that you guys have worked with, and the I guess we'll, we'll, we will x the technician shortage and finding staff as the number one problem because I think we can all agree that that's the number one problem. What would you say are the other 
main problems that those people face within their shop? I think a lot of it's what we've talked about, right? Like I think there's just general operational types of things. And and the crazy part about diesel shops in general is the variance in how large they are, right? Like it, you, you know, there's small mom and pops, there's gigantic companies. You have the fleet maintenance companies that are kind of, you know, on the road all the time. So I think there's so many different variations within this sector that make it unique that, you know, I think each one battles their own thing. Sometimes it is operational, but there's other times where it could be, you know, a marketing or a sales type of issue where you're not getting enough work in the door. And so, I, you know, again, I, I hate to be vague, but I also think it's it's so dependent on the type of shop that we're dealing with. Right. Like it, it, if it is yeah, a mom and pop, yeah. their their challenges might be different than what a big company has. Yeah, that's that's very true. I think it was something like 50 percent of uh, truck repair shops in the U.S. are one location businesses. And then it kind of it has a natural progression of locations up from there. You know, two, two is, I think, like 25 percent or something like that and kind of goes down from there. But yeah, I mean, we we definitely run into you know into those same problems. Our our role when we you know start talking with a shop is first find out like you know are we the right fit? Does it make sense to work together? Are your problems problems that we solve? Because if not, then how can we have a beneficial relationship? The the example of a small shop, and so I would say you know one location shop in a you know, mid-size American town is probably going to not have a clearly defined marketing strategy, right? That's probably the biggest thing. They probably have maybe dipped their toes into, you know, some Google ad campaigns a little bit. They might have a website, maybe not, and maybe just a (laughs) Facebook page. And those are the problems that you know, that, that those shops have the larger multi-location shops or just, you know, a shop, a single shop that's, you know, 10,000 plus square feet that is doing, you know, $5 million a year plus in revenue. The problems that they have is that it's, it's a little bit of an overlap of a problem, but the issue is that it, we are in a very unique industry and it's really hard to find a local marketing agency that understands your needs, right? That someone that you don't have to spend hours and hours with explaining that, you know, like an EGR and a DPF or exhaust gas recirculation. (laughs) And, and that, you know, there are very strict rules around them and they vary state by state or country by country. And those problems, I mean, both of those problems are really fun ones that we get to solve, right? Where, you know, some of those, a big shop, for example, that's doing $5 million a year plus is probably, you know, they probably have a Google ads campaign that isn't running as effectively as it could, right? They, they're whoever's managing it, you know, just there, there are this is part of it where I, you know, we go, I like to go into these details and try to teach people a little bit. It's, it's hard because the, you know, a shop owner, they're experts 
at what they do, right? And the purpose of working with someone like Diesel, with a company like Dieselmatic is that they don't have to learn all about this, but but to you know to add to keep going with that is you know just little things like if you are trying to capitalize on road service right and do more road calls the if you're even working with maybe you are working with a decently com- competent marketing agency they're probably going to you know have your area blocked off, right? Doing geo-targeting for your specific geographical area and advertising only in that area. They won't know to do is target call centers all across the US and Canada, where you know the the like the truck that breaks down is not Googling themselves and trying to find the closest shop. They're calling dispatch and then dispatch is going to get them the info. And so you know we because we are so niched within this industry, we'll make sure that we target every major call center, every major dispatch center and geo-target around those areas for your location, mm. right? So making sure that, you know, if somebody in uh, Delaware is searching when a truck is broken down in Wyoming, right? Those, if you're only geo-targeted to Wyoming, you're not going to, they're not, your shop is not going to show up. But if you are fenced around those dispatch centers, you will. So there's lots of little things like that that we do that add up to make a big difference. Well, and I think that's exactly what I'm talking about. When when you had posed the question of, you know, who do you hire first? Mm-hmm. In a lot of scenarios, like that's where having a marketing expert is so hugely important is because, you know, that's something I tried to tackle on my own when when I first started my business and it was awful at it, right? Like it was, it was you know, you, you end up spending who knows how much money on Facebook ads and YouTube. What would you say as a, if you're comfortable saying this, what would yeah. you say is a ballpark of like how much money you think you've wasted on marketing? Like before you hired somebody. Yeah, that's a great question. Like we did a... I so it's almost twofold, right? Because I think I learned really early on that like I wasn't the guy to do it, and so we had yeah. hired outside marketing <laughs> yeah. companies to to do it. And even with that, I think you know doing keyword research, we didn't have yeah. the tools in place in terms of actually writing content to those keywords until it we had the research and then we're trying to write content, but we, we really needed more in terms of content production to utilize those keywords, but we paid thousands of dollars for keyword research. Mm -hmm. Right. And looking back, we probably weren't quite at that stage yet. Right. Like we, we probably should have maybe taken a little bit more time to, to be able to understand how we were going to create content prior to doing that. Now, Early, early days when I was on Facebook, it was interesting because we had we had a little bit of a scenario where you needed technicians and shops and we had to market to them differently, right? Like because shops would want to see something different or would Google search something different than mm, what a technician yeah, would. Yeah. And so yeah. it was really, you know, you're trying to figure out that what is comes interesting. First I never life. thought about that, how you have a, like you have a B2B and a B2C customer base. That's, yes. I mean, we have, we deal with that, but in a sense of like our customers, our businesses and 
our customers. Customers are businesses and customers and, yes. and individual people. But that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where we, you know, the whole Wrenchway concept really took hold was because what we learned on the recruiting side was, okay, you know, in order to adequately do this for a customer, you truly have to become like a full out marketing machine to get out in front of these people. And what we found was that if we can work with the clients and have them get their word out, it it just worked better because it wasn't when we had FinderWrench, it wasn't FinderWrench saying, you know, we at FinderWrench have a client that's looking for technicians and it just, that didn't work as well as, you know, X equipment company is hiring, you know, like, so in with Indeed's rules and everything like that and, and ZipRecruiter and all these, the job boards, it was just, it was a challenge. So we used kind of all the principles that we had learned on that side and applied them on the technology side to be able to kind of help guide that process. But it is, I mean, looking back and that's where I think I put myself in the seat of a, of a shop where that's transitioned maybe a little bit to where it was always so customer focused on, on the, on the shop side to being, you know, you, you do need to market yourself to technicians because you've got work coming in the door, or if you don't have enough work coming in the door, that there's really great ways that you can get more work in the door. But at the end of the day, the technicians are the ones that are are producing the output and you need to be able to market to those people. And that, that was really kind of the evolution of, of Wrenchway was trying to figure out how shops could do that in a more, I don't know, more realistic sense. And that, that would be yeah. one thing like going back, Nick, that I, I would ask when you're sitting down with a client up front, is it challenging to under, for, for shops to understand what makes them unique, like different? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, I think it is. I think one of the, one of the things that that shops do to differentiate that is that is successful and it's hard i mean i i have obviously i have this opinion because of the you know the service that we provide but the shops that that i see succeed are the ones who invest into the image of their business right so if I can kind of tie this conversation back to the, you know, the principles, why you start a business, why do you start a shop, right? Like you, you probably like what you do, right? Like you, yeah. you like fixing stuff and, and you're, you're probably pretty good at it, but having that long-term vision of what, what am I going to do in 20 years? Am I building this business towards something that I can sell for a retirement amount? Or, you know, do I have to take the path of buying the building and having that be the asset, right? If you can take the the route of building the business into something that can sell and operate without you, continue to grow without, that is a huge asset that, you know, I mean, if you get to the, if you get to that point where you are essentially an absentee owner, you're going to get a very good price for your business because somebody can come in and, you know, maybe identify some areas where they can improve it, uh, whatever that's up to them. But that, you know, that's the goal that you're working towards. And, and what I see the shops that I see specifically the types of shop owners that we kind of flag and say, like, 
this is somebody that we want to work with are the people who understand that that they're building towards a a business that can run autonomously and that you know the the brand value that's associated with it and the uh, marketing process and the sales process that brings the work into the shop is a piece that's missing in a lot a lot of service businesses in general not just within the commercial re- repair space I mean within the automotive repair space within the you know home service space wherever it is plumbing yeah. <laughs> plumbing yeah. exactly yeah 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 that's that's interesting and and really I think so important is to understand what your vision is and what you're trying to push toward. And, you know, I think in the diesel business, there are a lot of, a lot of people that desire to have a family, you know, a true family type of business too, that maybe they want to pass it down to the next generation or they want to do something, but understanding that up front is probably, you know, paramount to being able to successfully do whatever. Well, you know, just that like brand awareness within your area is really important. And I mean, I, like we we have the same struggle right we are you know we're still a small a small business and you know we're growing pretty quickly but i i don't know if i had to guess i'd say maybe five percent maybe ten percent of the commercial repair industry knows who dieselmatic is and that's a big hurdle that we need to get over right like we have a really we have a fantastic service that solves painful problems that shop owners you know complain about every day but just getting there and we have some we have some solutions for that coming up in the future but it's just nice when you have you know when when you get to to do something like you guys do and like we do that you know it, the sales process is really easy because um i mean for us specifically we you know, we operate on a month to month contract. There's no, like, there's no long-term contracts. I do not believe marketing companies should charge long-term contracts, but we, we have to make you more money than you pay us. Right. To put it really simply. Yeah. And we're, we're really transparent with that. We make sure we do monthly reporting that shows, you know, you spent this much and you made this much. It's either red or it's green. If it's green, it's good. If it's red, it's bad. And we got work you know, to do. either we need to do better or you're going to fire us. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think it's it's interesting because similar to what we talked about earlier, you're going into each situation probably a little bit unique, right? Like every shop is, you know, you could probably 80-20 it and see you know, that 20% of the problems or 20% of the shops have the same problems or what I said that wrong, but being able to to say, you know, okay, most shops are going to have these common issues and be able to attack those. But when you dive into it, are there common themes or common things you see when you first start off with the shop in terms of maybe what they're doing wrong or mm-hmm. uh, maybe yeah. even their approach to it? Really easy. Like, I mean, really simple things that anyone can fix right now. Your your website, it probably isn't very good. So you can do, you know, you can do little things like you probably have all of the types of services that you provide listed on your homepage as a single bullet point or something like that. Uh, break out each of those into an individual page. Get your web developer to create a specific page for brake service 
for you know, suspension or emission services and transmissions have a unique landing page for each of those. And that allows for people who are not searching you know, just general you know, truck repair near me, but specifically like you know, commercial truck brake shop near me. That will improve your chances of being being found. And then additionally, those pages can be used within uh, ad campaigns. So within Google ads, another thing that's really important, it's called the quality score. Don't fall asleep if you're driving and I'm boring you, but it's, it's important oh. because it's your money, right? It's a big, so if your quality score is bad, you're going to pay more every time someone clicks on your ad. And it's probably not going to be shown as high. But if your quality score is high, it's going to be shown higher in the results and you're going to pay less for it because Google knows that it is relevant to what the user, the customer is searching for. So if you, you know, if somebody is searching for a commercial truck brake shop and your landing page is specifically within that campaign, specifically for commercial truck brakes you're going to have a high relevancy and therefore be able to, you know, hopefully get a new customer for a lower dollar value. How, how does content play into that? Because obviously keywords are really important to, to be able to capture Google's attention and get you to the, the front of their page. But you, you've got to put some kind of meat behind it too, don't you? It, it can't just be the word they're, they're looking at whether it's actually relevant information. I mean, it's it's Google in itself is just so mind boggling in terms of like how smart those people are <laughs> and, and how they get around some of this stuff. But any advice on the kind of the content piece of it? Yeah, I, I would say something that's super practical. Uh, everybody has a phone. Oh boy, I'm showing off all the <laughs> notifications I've got while we're on. <laughs> uh Everyone has a phone and your phone, you can do text voice to text, write your pages that way. Just talk about, you know, most guys will have a hard time sitting down at a white page and typing out something about break service. Just get your notes app out and record voice to text about, you know, the most common problems that you see come into the shop regarding that service. So talk about, you know, the most common points of brake failure that you see and what you guys do to fix that. You like, if, if I, if you, the shop owner <laughs> listening, if I asked you that question, you probably have a running list in your head right now of like, Oh, this, 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 and you could list it off. That's the stuff that you can put on there. Just write it out and then send it to your web developer. And I mean, we do, we do that internally. You know, our job is to take as much work as possible off of the shop owner's plate. And so, I mean, you know, the way that we do it internally is by, you know, we have content writers who produce the content, and, but we do it around those same principles and ideas. So if, if you're looking to DIY it, that's a really simple way to get, you know, relevant content in a voice that your customer is going to know because you you said it. <laughs> I, that's a great tip, by the way. And so say you're, you're building out content. It's still very, you know, from a marketing perspective, it does, I feel like go back to principles that have been around forever, which is 
you know, you're trying to sell to a customer, you're trying to get them to see you in a different light than maybe they see another shop down the road. How, how do you go about, if you're a shop trying to, you, you talked about the visual element of it and, and making sure that that's in check, but how do you go so that you're not just talking about, you know, Hey, we do DPF servicing, but taking it maybe the extra step of, you know, what is truly like really impactful to a customer. And the reason why you should come to our shop over any other shop is X. I know when we talk about it on the staffing side, it's, it's really challenging for a shop to understand why they're unique or why they're different. And when you start talking you start to pick out things. You're like, okay, that's not every shop has that. You know, one mm-hmm. example I always use is when we're going through this process with a shop or if a shop calls me and they're having trouble with this is to say, okay, like if you think offering free uniforms is a really big benefit that you're offering, it's not great. Like everybody does that. <laughs> like you, 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 you need to take that like a step further and figure out why, you know, yeah. why are you different than everybody else? The Wrenchway app helps technicians in the automotive, diesel, and heavy equipment industries by making it easier to search for jobs, highlighting the best shops to work at, and gathering feedback and ideas on how the industry can be improved. The app is completely free to use and can be downloaded in the App Store or on Google Play. We've included a link in the show notes with more information. Having the the foundational principles of how and why you operate your business are super, super important. Investing in people is, I mean, you can listen to almost any successful entrepreneur till you're blue in the face and they will tell you to invest in people. <laughs> Finding good people is, it's really hard to do, but I know, I know for myself, it's, it's been by far the most rewarding part of the entrepreneurial journey okay. and, you know, making sure that yeah, you have things in place like a benefits plan uh, and healthcare, you know, 401k matching, whatever it is that makes you competitive. And, you know, the, the real part of it that I don't think gets talked about a lot is that you're a business owner and you know that that money is coming out of profit, right? When you first do it, when you first do it, you're taking, this means that now this year I make less money, right? And that's the hard thing. I mean, there's a there's a company based out of Seattle who cut their profit profit by like I think it was a million or two million in order to give everyone of the company I think they did a minimum base salary of seventy thousand dollars a year. Yep. Right? And it was you know it was a big hit for the first year. Their their books didn't look great. But then in the coming years, they saw things like much higher retention. Employees weren't leaving as much. People started buying homes and, instead of just renting, and which meant that they could stay in the area and stay at work. People started having children and that, you know, they, they had where people were just single family, single children families, they would make have two or three little things like that, that then led to people feeling more satisfied with their work and their life and providing better results and better qualities, being able to deal with a disgruntled customer. If, you know, if maybe 
maybe one of your mechanics messed up and maybe you know, you've got an angry customer that that guy's going to be a lot more likely to keep a cool head and you know be able to troubleshoot the problem if he doesn't also have the stresses of am i going to make my mortgage or rent or you know i've got a doctor's appointment going up and i don't know how to pay for it all those things make a big difference and you know it it's really it's something that you you just have to take the the leap and do it well and that guy did it better than anybody else because he turned that into their marketing story, right? Like that was they Oh, absolutely. He's absolutely. I love that you know it too. <laughs> yes, he's everywhere. I mean, you'll see it's shared on LinkedIn, you'll see it shared on Twitter, on Facebook. Yeah. You know, it's everywhere and it's not just him sharing it, right? Like he's got I wonder, everybody. I wonder if they took that that money out of their marketing budget. And they're just like <laughs> we'll, we'll give I, it to our employees and then everyone will talk about it. Well, it's funny. One of there's a local company to us in Wisconsin here, and they're called Vortex Optics, and so they're like scopes for guns. And I was in a uh, a class with them, and it was something like the next generation, you know, whatever. And it was we had a similar accountant to the company that I was working at, and one of the really cool parts about their story, I sat down, I had no idea who they are. I'm not a hunter, which it, it like, I didn't know anything, but you know, he talked about how they manufactured scopes. And, and so I started learning more about it, but what he told me in the story was that they were fighting their customers with warranty repairs. So like there would be instances where a bear would come like eat somebody's scope and try to get warranty on it. And then the customers would, you know, they're arguing back and forth with their customers. So what they did was they actually, they, they took their marketing budget and basically put it into warranty everything. And so every time somebody does something like this and he's sharing this with me, I'm like, this is brilliant, but they like if that bear ate the scope or if something got, you know, they dropped it off yeah. of the top of a building or something like that, they actually had their customers start sending pictures in of they, how they destroyed the scope. They would, they would warranty it. Yeah. They warrantied anything. And so wow, they grew so fast and they still, I mean, they built just a gigantic, beautiful building just down the road from us here. And it's such a cool story in that, he viewed it as rather than fighting against our customers, we're just going to warranty everything and tell the stories about it. And that's going to be our marketing. And I'm like, that is brilliant. It's a tough, like putting, putting truly putting your customers first is a really, it's a really hard thing to do. And, and to follow, I mean, some companies have followed it through to the detriment of others, right? I mean, Amazon is probably the best example of a company that, you know, they, like to a fault, put customers first. They want people to have the cheapest option possible across the board, which is great for you and I and everyone buying on Amazon. <laughs> it's not so great for the people who you know have to fulfill those services in a warehouse. Um, but really interesting. Okay, so how did you and I think you could apply that to a to a repair shop. I was just going to ask you the same exact thing. And I think <laughs> it, it is so fascinating of a question to answer because if one does it really successfully, then I feel like a lot of others would follow suit. But, 
you know, that to me is such a distinct advantage for them of something they turned from a negative into a positive in, in really just taking care of their customers that they've got, you know, if you've ever read the book Raving Fans, they have raving fans. They have people that, you know, they're buying their memorabilia. They're buying, you know, that they're just, they've yeah. grown to a, a level that's just insane, but it's because they did cool stuff like that. Like they, they tweak things. Yeah. And, I don't know where it's at in in repair in the repair business, but it, there's got to be something in there that that you can tweak or or you know really make yeah, the marketing campaign. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you think about all of the fights that that you deal with in a shop. I I I grew up working in a in a marine repair shop with my grandfather, and you know the fights that go on about you know like yes we repaired this and it broke later and they're angry about it. Everyone, every shop owner knows that fight. I don't know that you could necessarily apply that same principle and warranty everything. You'd probably go broke, broke. but (laughs) yeah. But I think there are things where you can put your customer first. So, for example. like PM service reminders, right? So we do things like we will, we have a bunch of API integrations developed with different shop software, but we will essentially um, provide an API integration that pulls the data from your shop software and we will build marketing campaigns around that. So, you know, let's say somebody brings in their Freightliner for service and and they are due again in 20,000 miles, which is you know roughly equivalent to uh, however many months, they will automatically go into a campaign that then drips it to them and sends them a reminder in, at that time, right? Nothing that's like... an we don't like to be annoying with marketing. I, I hate annoying marketing. It's good to be helpful, right? Just something like, oh, like if I'm a, if I'm an owner operator or run a fleet, it's just right there. Okay, cool. Yeah, we should probably bring that in before it breaks. <laughs> yeah, I well, and I think right there you hit on a point that is really important, and I think this is in general marketing through a website or whatever, but bringing value without asking for money in those scenarios, you know, being able to, I look at opportunities for content and there's a lot of people that do a really good job of it out on YouTube, you know, through their web pages and being able to show how to check your oil or, you know, how to, you know, like really simple things that might, you might take for granted, but could offer a really great resource to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Content wise. I mean, like the, one of the reasons why uh, you know, I I wanted Dieselmatic to be specifically within the diesel HD commercial truck repair space and not within the larger automotive space is because there is a large large number of agent marketing agencies specifically that solve that problem already. So it's not that fun to solve a problem that there's already a solution for. And two, content is a big part of helping a shop's website show up when people search for things. Um, There is a gap within our market, a lot of content that needs to be filled specifically towards, you know, the intricacies of rebuilding a Cummins ISX, right? That's a 
a very specific project that there is not a lot of info about. And if you actually search Cummins ISX common problems, you'll see a couple of dieselmatic clients uh, right. <laughs> show up as as the number one uh, number one spot because those were you know articles that that there was a gap for and a need for, and you know you add value like that, and sure, it's going to show. You know, if you're sitting there saying like this is that's a that's an informational keyword that isn't going to drive a transaction. Informational keywords like that will help support transactional keywords like truck repair shop near me. It will improve the credibility and overall authority of your website, which means eventually, you know, you'll show up higher for those types of services and searches and I guess that's probably a you know a few of the ways that you can actually put customers first. But yeah, I think wrapping kind of I know we're probably getting close to to the end where we need to have but wrapping that back into what we were talking about earlier with investing in, in people. One of the things that I saw within the market was the expense that shops had to take in order to have a marketing person, it is high. It's really high. And it's it's a big risk because the person that you hire may or may not have the particular skill set that's necessary to grow a shop. And if they do have it, they then still might have an issue with learning about the commercial truck repair space. And those are two big risks that shop owners have to take. So, I mean, that's why, you know, we can, if anyone's interested, you can schedule on our website, but you know, we're a fraction of the cost of hiring a full-time employee with, I think, better results. (laughs) Yeah. And I think you hit on something that is nerve wracking for a shop, which is say you, you hire a marketing person on or even a marketing firm, maybe not knowing what questions to even ask, right? Like, how do you know it's working? How do you know, you know, that the money that I'm spending is going to something that's productive? And if you hire somebody directly onto your staff, you run into that issue because you, they're part of your staff. You're trying to hold them accountable. But if you don't even know what to hold them accountable to, you you know, it probably just goes back to like, okay, we're looking at our Google search results or, you know, like it, it's easy to go high level, but when you have to dive deeper mm-hmm. into it, that's when yeah. you can uncover some stuff that maybe exposes a, a lack of knowledge or, you know, something like that. So any, maybe any advice in terms of what questions to ask mm-hmm. or, you know, like if, if you're talking to a marketing firm or potentially hiring yeah. a marketing person onto your staff? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think the, some, so some of the things uh, that we've talked about already, I'll recap here. So if you want to cut this part and, and say that your, your website and the amount of pages uh, and the, the content that's on those pages, how are they going to build those? How, how do you think our website, our sitemap should look, right? Like that's something I'm always very careful about doing unpaid work, right? But you shouldn't have a problem with getting a marketing agency or hiring a marketing person and asking them to just pencil and paper, write out a sitemap for you of what your site should look like. That will give you a rough idea of, you know, if they, if they maybe you're starting to grasp the industry or not. The next thing to ask about would be 
what should my target cost per acquisition be for new customers? So how much should I be paying to get a new customer? And that's something that you know, you have to know a bit about your business as well. Is, is your business able to profitably gain a new customer at, you know, if you pay $40 to get that customer, are you making a profit? Uh, if you pay $300 to get that customer, are you making a profit? Um, if, you, if you're not sure, the kind of industry average that I like to go off of is an average invoice of you know somewhere between $1,300 and $1,500 with a 30 to 35% profit margin is somewhere around a, you know, $300 to $500 profit per customer. So that, that's kind of the, I would say, the second question to ask. And then the third question to ask is, what is the point of marketing? That's great. And those broad questions, you can ask these small technical questions to get those ideas of, you know, do they understand, do they understand our industry? Do they understand how to, you know, help us grow our shop? The broad question is good because you, I'll tell you the ideal answer (laughs) that you want to hear from that. I do. I was going to ask that. Yeah. Yeah. You want to hear something along the lines of, the the purpose of marketing is to keep your business top of mind. All right, that is that is the purpose. You want not every customer who searches for you is in need of your service right now, right? But what you want to do is, and what we always build our our marketing strategies around is that customer who who comes to your website, maybe they're just searching, they know that they have to get a service done in the next couple of months. They go to your website, plus probably three, maybe five other shops that show up. After that, most of the time, they don't see anything from any of those businesses. You want to make sure that they see your shop on social media or retargeted through other ads. You're going to give them the opportunity to, you know, maybe sign up for an email newsletter where you can re-engage them. Um, but what we like to do is those customers who come to the website and don't convert, so they don't place a phone call or they don't send an email, we will retarget them by creating ads that are uh, a customer review. Right. We'll have, you know, we'll send a photographer to your shop and we'll have a photo of your shop in behind with a customer review laid over top of it and your logo on it. So that person who searched for your shop didn't request a service, but probably needs one soon, sees your brand, your company, it's kept top of mind. And then when they're ready to make that decision, it's pretty clear who they, you know, who they're going to trust. I love it. This is really, really good information. And I feel like we could probably keep going on this for quite some time. So we'll definitely have you back on the show and, and talk more in depth about a couple of things. I, you know, As I'm looking at things, we probably didn't get through everything that we wanted to talk about. But I, <laughs> yeah, think, there, no. I think there was a lot of really good stuff here. And regardless of shop size, I really feel like you could take some of this stuff back with you and implement it. So if, if somebody wants to learn more about your company or maybe has a question about the podcast, how do they reach out to you, Nick? Yes. So we, 
Dieselmatic is built to facilitate growth at every stage of a shop. So, you know, if you're just starting out, we have, you know, a kind of strategy for that where you're, you know, within that kind of zero to $500,000 a year range. If you're, you know, midsize and want to get, get bigger, we have a strategy for that. If you're, if you're a big shop and doing, you know, two plus million dollars a year and you just can't find the right spot, you know, we've got a, a plan for that too. But the best way really is to just go to dieselmatic.com uh, and schedule, ask for uh, a call. We've got a nice little easy form on the website. Uh, our, likely our sales manager, Tracy, will reach out to you. And then we'll set up a time to do uh, exactly what Jay and I are doing here and <laughs> just have a, have a chat and, you know, get to know your shop a little bit more. We'll show you some more about what, you know, what we, what Jay and I talked about today, how Dieselmatic works, what all our uh, Dieselmatic dashboard does, how it functions, how our plans work, and go from there. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. That was a wealth of information. That was really, really good. I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, look forward to the next time. Thanks so much, Jamie, too.